church family, thank you for joining us today. We're so glad you're here. Wasn't that a great video? It was. It was great. It's a great to celebrate. That back to school night was so awesome. We had Super so many cool. kids here. And uh, so that video, thanks, uh, Ty, for putting that together. Uh, but we also had a really awesome back to school bash this last week. Yes. That was pretty fabulous. We were across the campus. I want to say we had over 200 across our whole campus between culture yes. and impact, right? Yeah. Uh, it was amazing. It felt like every kid in the entirety of Enumclaw was there and they were all going crazy uh -huh. at the yeah. same time. And we were yeah. having a blast, man. We had yeah. dunk tank here. We had inflatables. We had food. Oh, it was uh, so cool. We were worshiping Jesus, praising, having a great time. And then the power went out. Yeah. 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 <laughs> And then just like nothing. But I'll tell you, it got even better. It was. The power went out. It was pretty cool. Uh, we, uh, you know, I'm with the fourth and fifth graders. You were over here with the sixth to twelfth graders, and uh, the fourth and fifth graders were just going crazy. And we looked over, <laughs> and the, the, the high schoolers were singing a cappella to yeah. Jesus. It was the most amazing moment. So it was really you cool. You know, God had a powerful moment right there yes. in the power outage. So it was awesome, and yes. everybody got home safe. So that was cool. Yeah. Yeah. It was awesome. <laughs> but we are excited to be back here, uh, and and we're excited that you're joining us online. And if you're new with us online, we just want to make sure that you get connected yep. uh, to your church body, to your church family. And, and if we are your church family, right there, if you're in an interactive service, there's a link that says get connected. So please click that. We just it, we want to know that you're joining us even online. Uh, if you're yeah. watching through YouTube, just uh, through the church website, mrcsignal.org, uh, there is a link just to get connected with us there. Uh, just really so that cool. we can make sure that as a family, we can uh, have you connected with us in that way. Yeah. And that includes you. Darius. Hey, I'm part of the family. That's right. He's a new staff member with us. If you haven't met him, come meet Darius. Nice uh, to meet you. Yeah, tell us a little bit. Well, ever since I watched The Godfather, I always wanted someone to say you're part of the family now. So <laughs> thank you so much for having me here. Uh, and I am excited to be part of MRCC, uh, which is a name of a church that I'll never forget. I love this church. I'm so excited to be here. And hopefully we'll get to meet in person more uh, soon. Thank you so yeah. much for welcoming me to the team, Allison. This is a cool team. Um, <laughs> I want to talk about really quick uh, myself for a second. Uh, I am married. Speaking of marriage, <laughs> now that I brought that up, we have a uh, event and uh, a group meeting actually that is called Love and Respect. Um, actually, I think it's the material from Les and Leslie Parrott, right? Yes, yes. yes, amazing material. Ty and Diane Rogel, who have the most matching names of all time, um, are leading the group and they're fantastic people. If you have not met them, they're real people, I promise. And uh, it's gonna be Thursdays at 6.30 p.m. here at the church. So it's important that if you wanna do this, it'll be really good for your marriage, I promise. If you wanna do it, which you should wanna do it, <laughs> uh, you have to sign up online. Now, if you don't wanna do it, that's fine, but there is uh, material that we have to purchase in order for everybody who does the group. So that's why it's important that you sign up online beforehand. So uh, do that, and we'll see you at the, at the meeting. It's gonna be really cool. Yeah, great way to strengthen marriage. Hey, I'm married yeah. too. Yeah. Hey, congratulations. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Happened for 20 years now. That's awesome. I know, but you know that's what? That's awesome. Even being married 20 years, I don't know, I kind of feel like you're one, you're 20, like <laughs> growing in our marriage, but something like this is amazing yeah. to be connected with and uh, just to That's rekindle awesome. or to keep going. I don't know. It's just, it's encouraging. That's it's super cool. Another way to be encouraged, ladies, uh, we have a women's ministry kickoff event that's happening this Friday. So we'd love for you to be here. Uh, I just know that if you're here, you will be encouraged by the other ladies that come. Yes. Encouraged by the program that we're going to have for that yes. as well. But also for uh, an opportunity just for you to be able to hear what's going to be happening here yeah. uh, with women's ministries specifically. Yeah. So many of our women's ministries, uh, at least half of them used to be in the mornings, but because of 
school being at home and all that, uh, a lot of it's shifting either to the evenings or even just online. So yeah. this is a great way for you to know all the ways you could be connected as a woman. Uh, but yeah. you know, there's also men's stuff. So I'll let you talk, take it over and talk about what the Thank guys you. are doing. Yeah, yeah, I'll talk about what the guys are doing. <laughs> right. Although I did miss my moment because when you said uh, women's ministry kickoff, I meant to like, Accentuate your announcement with a kick, so I'm adding it in post. We'll edit okay, it yeah. maybe later. No, we won't. Okay, uh, the men's ministry is doing something, uh, it's called Band of Brothers, which is the coolest name for a men's ministry ever. We have a golf tournament that is happening this upcoming Saturday. So if you're interested in doing that, um, I will be there, not to discourage you from coming, but just to warn you, you might hear someone yelling um, kind of strange things that you might not be accustomed to because I'm a, I'm a Scottish golfer. So I'll say like, oh, put another tee on the green. And I'll say like, oh, get my club from out of the bag. And stuff like that. Just kind of I to just get. I just want to come and watch. <laughs> you know what? Ladies watch. You know what? They can. Okay. Uh, bring your own, BYOC, bring your own chair. Uh, but the, yeah, for real guys, the golf tournament is going to be really cool. It's a team of four, uh, so come out with your three dudes and we're going to play golf together. Um, only there's spots. only yeah. 40 spots available. So email or call Faith at the MRCC office. If Faith, who is our office uh, lead, is not around, then you can ask for whoever's there. Brian, though, is actually the person that you'll want to talk to and coordinate that with. So 40 spots, please sign up. It'd be a ton of fun to have you there. Absolutely, I, I am. I'm kind of wanting to go just to watch this. <laughs> really, what we'll you get need. footage. Okay, good. That that will be fabulous um, because it'll be it'll be a great time. But there, everybody has a different tea time, right? You can't all go at the same time. So oh, yeah. that's another important piece of, of making sure you're signed up so that you can yeah. have a specific time. To you don't be drinking your tea when you know it's not your time yet. That's going to be dumb. <laughs> Exactly. All right. But we are th so thankful you're here and we want to worship our great God together. Uh, so if you would, if you feel comfortable standing where you're at uh, or however you are uh, able to worship, let's worship our God together. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Faith. 
Cross before me, my home. 
put my faith in Jesus, my anchor to the ground, my hope and firm foundation. He'll never let me down. I put my faith in Jesus, my anchor to the ground, my hope and firm foundation. He'll never let me down. Let's be singing out. I put my faith in Jesus, my anchor to the ground, my hope and firm foundation. He'll never let me down. No, I put my faith in Jesus, my anchor to the promises you are true and what a thing to cling to your goodness Lord in this shaky ground that we find ourselves in daily right now father we need something true to cling to and that truth is found in you Jesus our Savior we worship you you see church this is a wild time and there's heartbreak and and there are those going through a lot right now even within our own church body but there's a reason why, when we come together and worship, the walls break down, the barriers break down, and the weight is lifted. This is what we were made for. This is what we were made to do. And so these times, we cherish them when we could come together and praise. And we make that choice to lay down the burdens of the world and step into the promise of who you are, Jesus. And to cling to that truth. This is what we're made for. And so, God, we glorify you because you are worthy and true and good. And we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, church. What a blessing it is to worship together as God's church. Yes. Hey, Mount Rainier Christian Center. Good morning. 
If you're watching this in the morning, uh, if you're doing one of our online gatherings, it's morning time. If you are like me and you are watching this sometime in the afternoon or the evening because you spent the morning sleeping, congratulations. You've done well. <laughs> nice to meet you. If we still haven't met, my name is Darius, and uh, I'm new here. I'm one of the pastors. Uh, they call me the next gen pastor, which really means uh, I help serve the entire church and the entire staff at the church, but I specifically uh, focus on helping the young adults pastor and the youth pastor and those ministries um, happen, reach young people, and really, really just encourage and resource those leaders and pastors. So I'm really excited about what God's doing here. I'm really excited about what God's doing in my life. And it's been crazy because in the midst of all of the global pandemic and now the wildfires raging and all the craziness that has been the year 2020, uh, God also in the midst of that uh, called me and my wife away from where we were living in Pasco, Washington, uh, which is a place, not a hot sauce, although sometimes people can't tell the difference when you hear it. Uh, we moved all the way from Pasco, Washington to uh, Enumclaw here. Uh, we bought a house for the first time, actually, and uh, drove over Chinook Pass, which is beautiful, uh, about 19,000 times this summer. So just that's an average or a guess. Uh, and so it's been a crazy season for us. I don't know if it's been a weird season for you, but we're happy that we're here. My wife and I have been married uh, for, well, I know exactly how long we've been married for, but it's been nine years. It'll be 10 years. So wild. It'll be 10 years my wife and I have been married coming up in uh, March of 2021. So nine and a half years, if, if that's good with you. And um, we first got married. We were living at a place called Northwest University. We were not typical Northwest University kids. We were both first generation college graduates. Uh, we were both definitely first time people, uh, first generation people in full-time ministry. And um, we were definitely both uh, figuring out how we were gonna pay for college as we went. My wife uh, is extremely smart. She's like a, she's, you wouldn't know it by looking at her, but she's like a military strategist. And so she used her strategic capabilities to get scholarships for school. I am more of like, um, I like the, the guy that will hit his TV uh, until it works, which is really weird when you know the, you don't have a box TV anymore because you're just slapping the flat screen. But I'm more of kind of like banging my head against the wall. So I worked <laughs> a lot of hours during college to pay for college. But that's how we met. That's where, or that's how we got married. We met when we were in high school. Uh, we got married when we were in Northwest University. We did uh, finished at Northwest University after two years. We were both there together. My wife was there for three. We did three years of full-time ministry at a place called Creekside Church uh, with a guy named Don. And uh, we were there for three years. And then after that, we were in a place called Pasco, like I mentioned, for five years. Now, as we like to say, we're just here. And uh, our entire life together has kind of just been like a lot of I'm just here moments. And we would look around and be like, well, what do we do next? Well, we got here, and uh, I'm just here to serve. 
I'm just here to love people. I'm just here to do whatever you want, God. I'm just here because this is where God told me to be. I'm just here because this is where God put me. I'm just here because this is where God is going to use me. And that's, that's kind of, uh, honestly, the story of my wife and I. We have zero kids. Uh, we are just here with no kids, which means nap time anytime we want. As soon as God wants to bless us with kids, he's free to do that. We're going to enjoy the nap times. Until then, we did have um, we did have a moment where we were thinking, you know what? It's time to start a family. We had just got married, and so we adopted a bunny rabbit. His name was Walter. He passed away this year in 2020. It's amazing how uh, intense it can be having a pet pass away after like uh, seven years of having a pet. But that's like our, that's our family right now. Uh, I want to I talk about why God puts us and us, me and you and us all together places this morning. I want to talk about a book called Jeremiah. So uh, I want to give you a quick little glimpse into uh, a picture of the message while you go ahead and, and go to Jeremiah if you'd like to. You can look at the book. We're going to go to Jeremiah chapter 1. Uh, we're going to go to Jeremiah chapter 18 later. And then at the very end, uh, we're going to take a second and look at Jeremiah chapter 42. And what this is, is we're just kind of going to get a couple snapshots of this guy, Jeremiah, of his life. So um, again, really quick, I want to give you a picture before we start that. I want to give you a little bit of a picture of who I am. Now, I'm going to be really vulnerable and honest with you. It's kind of my speed. If you've ever wondered, I know that you know some people like this, because there's some people like this who are already on staff at the church. But um, if you've ever wondered, what kind of... Uh, what kind of weirdos are those people that you see when you, you have to take your family or your children or your grandchildren or whatever? You have to go on a trip to like Disneyland or Disney World and, and you look around and you're wrangling your kids and you're, they're crying and screaming and you're promising them ice cream and you're telling them, this was supposed to be fun. We're going to have fun. No matter what, you know, and you're having one of those moments and you see um, two grown adults there uh, without a care in the world, and you wonder to yourself, who in the world goes to Disneyland or Disney World without kids? What kind of strange, wild people do that? That would be myself and my wife. Hi. Nice to meet you. And uh, we've done this a lot of times. It was where we did our honeymoon. You think of romantic locations? We thought of Disneyland, and uh, so we did our honeymoon. It's where we go, usually we do some kind of like Disney thing for our anniversary, which comes around in March every year on the 5th. I know what my anniversary is. Don't, you, okay, don't judge me. And it, we usually do that. So one time we were at Disney World, and my wife and I were just walking. And it's really cool because, you know, there's like little moments in life, just little moments, and you're just in the right place at the right time. Now, this might not have been a big deal to you, but to us, it was like magical. <laughs> and so we're walking, we're going, walking down uh, this place called Epcot in Disney World. And as we're walking, there's like a, this big fireworks show that had started. And we took a nap that afternoon because we had traveled overnight. And, and so we got there late, later than we had planned on getting. And we were missing this big fireworks show and all this stuff was going on. And we were kind of like walking around like 
oh man, we have this, this is like our one chance to watch this fireworks thing and we really wanted to do this and we're trying to find a place and it's jam packed like Disney World is everywhere. You know, those people are just like 20 thick deep everywhere you try to go to watch it. My wife, I'm six foot, just almost six foot two. Um, I'll, I'll lie to you later on and tell you I'm six foot two if you ask, but I'm just really like just under. My wife is just over five foot two. So um, that means that we take pictures like this. And uh, that's like, it's easy for me to watch fireworks in a crowd of people, but my wife, not so much. You know, she's got like everyone's head almost that she's got to like contend with, with the view. So we're walking and we're kind of, you know, we're, we're fine, but we're bummed out. And all of a sudden, as we're walking and we're scanning, this old, old, old guy that looks like he was in retirement when Disney World started in 1971 or whatever. And... He looks like he's been working at Disney since like the beginning of the American Revolution. And he walks up to us and he goes, hey, let me show you something. <laughs> and we're like, uh, is this safe? Is this, gonna, is this where we die right here? And so he's got like a Disneyland vest on, Disney World vest on. So we follow him and he takes us to this spot and he says, I just was walking by and noticed you and I thought maybe you'd want this. And he like pulls back, like I swear, he pulls back like vines, right? Like a secret garden entrance. And we walk through and it's like, oh, it's like a magical little area for us to sit at and stand at, and we have this whole area to ourselves, it's completely private, and we have a perfect view. Now, the only reason I tell that story is sometimes in life, my wife and I have had moments where we realize, I'm just here. I did nothing to deserve it, I did nothing to earn it, I did nothing to plan it, I was just here, and it just worked. That was one of those moments. It was really cool. It was like, hey, we're just here. We were just walking and we had no plan. And we were just in the right place at the right time at the right moment. And then someone was a guide for us and we were just at the perfect spot. Jeremiah is not a prophet who usually is explained in that kind of context. But I want to get into this because Jeremiah's story, I think, is pivotal, not only for the Old Testament of the Bible, may, maybe the most pivotal of all the prophetic writings, but also I think pivotal for a perspective for me as a Christian. So hopefully this will encourage you as well. In Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 5 through 7, it says this, okay? God says to, Je to Jeremiah, he's calling him in this moment, and he says, Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And the word there for new that God uses is such a good word in Hebrew. It's this word that connotes like intimacy, like emotional, like I knew everything about you. Like I, I conceived you in my thoughts. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I set you apart. I appointed you a prophet to the nations, a mouthpiece to the nations. Then I said, Jeremiah says, then I said, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak. That's the first lie he's telling. You're speaking right now, Jeremiah. He says, I do not know how to speak, 
for I am only a youth. Now, I, most scholars would agree that he's not like a child at this point, but most likely he's a young man. It could be like 13, 14, so still very young, uh, but he's not like a five-year-old, most likely. For I am only a youth. But then the Lord said back to me, Jeremiah says, the Lord said, do not say I am only a youth. For all to whom I send you, you will go, and whatever I command you, you will speak. And then he goes on to say, and do not be dismayed, and do not be frightened, for I will be with you wherever you go. I think that's verse 8. I'm just here. Jeremiah didn't do anything to qualify himself, pre-qualify himself, or prepare himself for this role. He was just there because God just put him there. Jeremiah actually was born to a uh, priestess, his, or, or to a priest, sorry. He was, he was from a priestly lineage. He was from a prophetic lineage. So before he was born, God had prepared him. But Jeremiah was in the middle of a group of prophets who really had not done an exceedingly good job. And he was just kind of participating, doing his prophetic thing, performing his prophetic duties, just kind of being a part of this community of ministers and people who would worship God and lead worship with God. And, and he wasn't doing anything spectacular or stand out. It was God that put him in the position that he was in. God chose his Lineage, God chose his placement, God chose his assignment, and God chose his calling. I feel like that. My wife and I, we have to look around in our life and say, I'm just here because God put me here. Neither of us grew up in a conventional Christian family or home. My wife was put in foster care when she was seven years old because her home was not a safe place in any way. And she was put in foster care and eventually was, was placed in foster care. And then in that, grew up in another environment, which was uh, mostly safe, but was not the environment that you want a kid to get raised in. And uh, that's her background. That's her lineage. That's her place. That's what she looks back on. Substance abuse. And f she's a first-generation high school graduate, uh, the only uh, generation that has a diploma, the only person that has a diploma in her immediate family. I'm from an unconventional or probably a more conventional home than a conventional Christian home. We went to church a little bit when I was a kid. Uh, my mom comes from a background of, of struggles and um, my father came from a home of pretty strong abuse. And they were just trying to make things work my whole life. And uh, miraculously, I couldn't be more proud, really, of how my parents tried to make things work. But we were not a, uh, we were not a traditional Christian family. We went to church a little bit when I was a kid. And uh, I met Jesus when I was five years old. Uh, but by the time I was 10 years old, I was going to church by myself, finding a church to go to. We lived in Arkansas at the time. And the great news is you could just like shoot a Nerf dart and, and find a church just by like blindly firing a Nerf gun into the, into the neighborhood. You just, there's churches everywhere. You'd hit one. Just go find it. 
and that I would just go to church by myself. And I was um, full of anxieties and, and, and struggles and trying to figure out who I was. And uh, those are the contexts that we grew up in. And when we look back on uh, the issues of identity that we have and the issues that we still struggle with, the uh, emotional health, mental health issues that we still struggle and wrestle with today, we have to take inventory of our life and say, I'm just here because God put me here. I'm just here because God put me here. What does that mean? It means this. Not, not I'm, I'm just here and, there's, and nothing's going to get better. It, it means this. I am just here because God has decided that this is the right place for me. Neither my wife nor I should be in church. Neither of us, statistically speaking, should be in ministry. Neither of us, statistically speaking, should be used by God. But God defies all statistics. I don't know what your background is or what you would say to God. Like Jeremiah says, God, I'm only a youth. Well, my wife and I would say, God, we're just broken kids. Maybe you would say, well, I'm, I just got out of prison. Or, or, or every person in my family has been in prison. Or maybe you would say, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just trying to pretend to be a good parent and look like all the other parents on Instagram, <laughs> on Facebook. Maybe you would say, I, God, you don't understand. No one knows about my addiction. God, you don't understand. I'm, I'm not who people think I am. I'm not from where people think I'm from. And, and God, I haven't done anything to do this. Can I tell you this? You are not here because of something you've done. You are here because God in his wisdom and in his love has placed you here. Like Jeremiah, God knew where your past was going to come from and he knows where your future is going to lead. You and I are here because God has placed us here, which means we are firmly and confidently in his hand like a moment when you're walking around looking for a fireworks show and you have no idea what to do but God intervenes and finds you in your moment of need and leads you to a beautiful place with a breathtaking view of the cross of redemption and of salvation because we're just here because God can use us here I love this about Jeremiah he's just here to be used by God. Now, after his initial like complaints and the, and the first things that he says, he says, God, I don't think I can do this. He finally agrees. Okay, God, whatever you say. And, and in uh, Jeremiah verse 18, way later on, God's taking Jeremiah. And Jeremiah has a really hard time as a prophet. Man, he's put in stocks. He's beat by kings. He's ordered to be whipped by the uh, royal courts. He's constantly just trying to tell people and warn people to turn to God and they're, they're constantly at every turn persecuting him for it. So the story is that he's a prophet in the midst of difficult times and he's never really listened to. And God shows him this vision in Jeremiah verse 18. And Jeremiah records it and he says, so I went down to the potter's house. This is where God had told him to go. And there was the potter working at his wheel. And the vessel he was making of clay became spoiled in the potter's hand. And he reworked it 
as it became spoiled into another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to do. Then the word of the Lord came to me, he says, and the, the word of the Lord said, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter has done, declares the Lord. Behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so you are in my hand, O house of Israel. That's Jeremiah chapter 18, verses 3 through 6. My wife loves to reclaim and salvage things, as a matter of fact. Um, I think every piece of furniture that we have ever owned has been either found on the side of the road, picked up for free from somewhere that we've like found on Facebook, or uh, purchased from a secondhand store. My wife loves to reclaim and salvage stuff. And, and it's partially, like, it, you know, it's fun to reclaim and salvage stuff. And par partially, it's just she sees value in things that other people would throw out because my wife is very frugal. Praise the Lord. She's great at saving money. And she's great at figuring out ways to get things cheap. And she will take something that somebody else has said it's no good, it can never be used, and she will reclaim it and subject. As a matter of fact, we were driving uh, down, I think this is, I think it's Griffin, whatever this, the highways that the church is on. We're driving down away from the church, um, east on Griffin, and um, right just a couple blocks away from the church, east of here, we pass a um, sign in someone's yard, and it's just a bunch of junk out in someone's yard. I actually think it was, it was really sad. I think that it was like a daycare that it had to shut down because of COVID. So, you know, it was not optimal circumstances, I don't think, but um, there's a huge pile of stuff that they were just getting rid of. And there's one of those big cardboard signs that just said, free. <laughs> this is not the stuff that people are like waking up in the morning, ooh, I wonder if there's a cardboard sign that someone has written in Sharpie free on today. Oh, that would be so nice. But my wife saw it, and I saw my wife notice it, and immediately I started slowing down, and she was like, can we go look? And I was like, yeah, of course. So we turn around and we go across the street, and it's like, it's like a wonderland. It's like Narnia, just like treasures untold. You go in there and the yard was jam-packed full of things that I could never imagine being there. And, uh, the only thing that I picked up was a giant bucket of Nerf guns uh, that I brought and put in the um, uh, office enclave where me and some of the younger pastors uh, have our offices. So that's the only thing that I got. But my wife was like looking and she's finding like the antique stuff and she's finding wall decor and all kinds of stuff like that. And she just loves to take something that somebody else has thrown out and find a purpose for it. God loves to take things that other people would have thrown out. Clay that has been spoiled in the process of being formed. God loves to take that and reform it and make something good out of it. And that's the story of my life. God took abuse in my wife's life and has turned it into a way for her to express worship to him. 
God has taken pain in my life and he's made a way for the clay to be reformed so that it can be a testimony of his glory. It doesn't mean all the problems are solved. It doesn't mean everything looks perfect. Oftentimes, when you've got something that's clay that spoils in the hand and has to be remade, you can still see the cracks and the blemishes. There are, there are obviously still parts of my life that are not perfect, and they never will be until I'm with Jesus. However, God is able and willing to take those spoiled parts, those broken parts, and do something beautiful with them. This is the work of God's reclaiming in our life, His redemption in our life. I don't know where you are at or where you're from, what your background is, but you are where you are because God can use you there he can reform you there. So you just went through a divorce. God is not done. He's using what's going on in your life. So you just made the biggest mistake financially of your life. Listen, it's not the end of the world, although it might feel like it. It's the beginning of a testimony that God is writing in your life. You may have spoiled things, but God is reforming them. So you've been hurt, you've been abused, you've been kicked around, you've been knocked around, and now you're here. I'm so sorry that you have had spoiling moments in your life. It's so hard. It's so hurtful. None of us want to go through it. And I'm praying that you don't have to go through it alone. And that today you would welcome community into your life in any way that you can so that you can walk with people beside you through pain and hurt. But I want to promise you this. The addiction that you faced, you're here because God can use your testimony to bring healing in someone else's life. The hurt that you faced, you're here so that God can use healing to bring healing through you to someone else. The mistake that you've made, the pain that you've felt, the way that you've been hurt, you are not spoiled. You are reformed. Because you're just here because God's not done with you. In Jeremiah 42, verse 10, it says this. It says, if you will remain in this land then I will build you up and not tear you down. I will plant you and not pluck you up because I relent of the disaster that I did to you. The greatest truth about the gospel is that God is not done with us yet. Jeremiah, even in the most frustrating moment of his ministry, looked at a country, a nation that he loved, that had said no to him and had slammed doors in his face again and again and again and again. And although the door had been slammed in his face again and again and again, God spoke this promise through Jeremiah to Israel and said, if you will remain in this land of exile that you've been brought to, that I've allowed you to be brought to, that I've brought you to, if you'll remain in this land of pain and suffering, I will actually do something unexpected here. I'll build you instead of pulling you down. I'll plant you instead of uprooting you. And here in exile, I'll do something that you could have never had in the safety and the comfort of the nation you were in before. It's so amazing 
to me, honestly, because God wasn't done with Jeremiah in Jeremiah's hardest hour when he'd just been told no. Maybe that's the position you feel like you're in today when it's just been a no and a no and a no and a no. You were hoping your kids were going to go back to school in September and it was a no and you're just treading water. And you were hoping that by now things would be better in your marriage, but it's just been another no. And you were hoping that by now you would be over the hurt and the pain of the separation from your family or your parents or the things that you've been struggling with for so long and it's been another no, another no. And you thought, maybe this time I'll get it right and I'll figure it out. And it's been another no. Can I tell you that even if you've had a thousand no's this year, God is not done with you. God also wasn't done with Israel. He wasn't done with Jeremiah, but it's beautiful because he wasn't done with Israel either. And God is not done with the people that he's sending you to. One of the big things I think that God is doing in our community as Christians right now, is God is reminding us that because we are Nineveh, God is not done with the rest of the world that's like Nineveh. Nineveh was the, was the nation that Jonah was sent to. And Jonah said, God, don't you see how vile they are? You don't want to save them, do you? And God said, actually, I do want to save them. And in the end, it was Nineveh that was saved and Jonah that chose to be left out. And the Christian community today is, is poised for breakthrough because we are the Nineveh that God, we're the, we're the people that should have never been saved that God has rescued. You know it and I know it. You can remember it in your life right now. You can begin to think of the places and the times in your life when you should have been done or God should have been done with you or you should have been dead or you should have absolutely lost everything and God wasn't finished yet. And God's not finished with the world around us, right? He's not finished with the world because they make bad choices. He's not finished with the rest of the world because they're acting ridiculous. He's not finished with the rest of the world because they're broken and hurting because they're just like us. They're just at a different point in the story. But better than that is that not that you and I are like Jeremiah, the best thing and the best truth and the real twist here is that Jesus is the better Jeremiah. This is not a story in Jeremiah really of our life as much as it is a perfect portrayal and beautiful portrait of the story of Jesus. Because where Jeremiah at first said, God, I don't know if I want to go. Jesus said, Father, not my will, but yours be done. And when Jeremiah was mocked and he was put in stocks, Jesus wore a crown of thorns and was led up to a cross and carried it to a hill after he was stripped of flesh from his body and was crucified. And where Jeremiah saw a better promise for Israel, Jesus saw through to the end through death and in resurrection, not just a promise, but the fulfillment of a promise for me and for you. And Jesus is the Jeremiah that we need. Jesus is the God that says, not only am I not done with you, but I'm defeating your greatest enemy, death, grave, the effects of sin. Jesus is the greater Jeremiah because today our victory is sealed in Jesus. The victory over your addiction, sealed in Jesus. The victory over the problem 
problem in your marriage, sealed in Jesus. The victory over the issue that's in front of you, sealed in Jesus. The victory over this season, finished, finalized, sealed in Jesus. In his resurrection, the only thing that he invites and calls us to in that is to surrender and say, God, I need a Savior. So take everything that I have. Take all of me, all of the effort and the energy, all of the failure. I'm just here because you're not done with me. My wife and I, man, we believe that so hard for our lives. Because there are things still today that hurt. There are pains still today that we look back on. For 20 years, I watched substance abuse. In my family, I watched it nearly destroy lives of, of all of my family and of one person in particular that I love. As much as you can love someone, I think. I watched insecurity and the warped ways that I formed my identity. Growing up and living in fear and anxiety, with anger and frustration, boiling over to the point where I was self-destructive. I look back on some of those things and I think, man, that still hurts so bad some days. My wife looks back on her life, and yes, there is still pain, there's still nightmares, there's still trauma. It's just real. But God is not done with us yet. He's not done with you yet. He's not done with me yet. And as long as Jesus is resurrected, I am alive. And there may be a tomb. but we follow Jesus out of it. So today, I just want to invite you with me to say yes to Jesus again or say yes to Jesus for the first time because Jesus' story of redemption is not finished with us. He's put you and me where we are, not by our might or by our power, but simply by His Spirit and His love. He's put us here because He can use us. He's the potter, and in His hands, everything is going to be used for His glory. And He's put us here because He's not done with us. I firmly believe that even for a pastor, I am here more because of what God wants to do in me, even than what He wants to do through me. And so in our lives, I pray right now, God, we surrender it to You. God, in this season, use our brokenness to connect us to a broken world so that healing can take place. God, in our brokenness, remind us that we're not done so that we can remind a world that you love that you're not done with it. God, you're not done with Enumclaw. You're not done with Seattle. You're not done with America. You're not done with this world. You're still seeking out to save that which was lost because you love lost and broken people. Today, God, thank you that you're not done with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you, church. Again, nice to be getting to know you guys, and I'll see you again in person soon.